Hebrews 13, we pick up this morning in verses 7 to 9 and verse 17. Hebrews 13, 7 to 9 and verse 17. Remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Father, we are reminded this morning as we return to Hebrews 13, that this is a section of the Word of God that builds upon the great doctrinal assertion that culminates in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, even as is declared in the eighth verse of our text. But then in the 13th chapter, there is a particular emphasis upon the way that we as believers are to relate to each other in the Lord with kindness, and with purity. And there is in this chapter particular instruction as to how we are to go about worship. And that will certainly be our portion in weeks to come, should you tarry. But this morning we deal with the particular emphasis in this book concerning the flock in relationship to God-appointed leadership. And we pray today that you would flood our hearts and minds with those of the past that have faithfully represented the Word of God to us, helping us to understand it and to embrace the living of it with a whole heart. We also pray that you would help us to understand uniquely how you, as our Heavenly Father, would have us relate to one another in the context of the church. We ask your hand upon us as we seek to do justice to the text today as assigned in our verse-by-verse -verse study week by week. We'll thank you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. That verse is one of the most quoted and beloved verses in all the Bible. It is particularly often uh, to be seen as a proof text for the eternality and the immutability of God the Son. The content of that verse confirms the concept of his eternality and the concept of his immutability without a doubt. But the context of that beloved declaration is almost never considered 
and therefore the point that is made by it missed. Today, I would have you leave here after our moments in the Word together with a clear understanding as to why Hebrews 13.8 is Hebrews 13.8 and how it fits into the context of the topic of leadership in the local church and how the family of God is to lovingly relate to leadership in the local church. The declaration serves as the central truth around which other related truths revolve, much like the hub and the spokes of a wheel. This grand expression of Christology links together the head of the church with the body, which is his body on earth, the church. This verse exalts the truth of the one true and forever leader of the church, its living head, who is ever present in the church by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, while he himself is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Local church leaders come and go, but the living head of these called out of darkness into his marvelous light remains ever and always the same. Whenever I have been called over the years by a church that has lost their under-shepherd, lost their pastor, and the deacon or one of the members of the uh, search committee calls and said, Pastor, do you have any suggestions for us? We've lost our pastor. I always say to them the same thing. I say, you do remember Psalm 23. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. No believer on earth has ever lived a day without a pastor. Because Jesus Christ is the great, good chief shepherd of the flock, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the point of that great verse that speaks to the eternality and the immutability of the Lord Jesus Christ as to its content. But its context is all about church leadership. Christ is the singular great and chief shepherd over God's flock. But he has appointed men on earth as under-shepherds and leaders as a part of his earthly rule and care. Today, we consider the practical application of Christ as head of the church by looking at how the flock is to actively and perpetually endorse leadership that is given to them in the local church. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to actively and perpetually endorse the pastoral leadership that is given to you. This scripture tells you exactly how to do that.
Number one, you endorse Christ-appointed leaders by remembering those whose labors and sacrifices in the past have enriched and informed your life in Christ. Verse 7 says, remember them which have rule over you. There are men in my life named Eubank and Early and Woolsey and Madison and Shipp that labored faithfully and invested in my life and ministry in Christ. The scripture says I ought to call them to remembrance. Why would God command me and you to do such a thing? Well, first, by doing such a thing, you are reminded of how God did work in your life. And secondly, you are reminded of how God does work in people's lives. God used godly men and women in my life to help me. God used godly men and women to help you. God uses godly people to challenge and encourage us. And one of the ways that we endorse righteously leadership perpetually in our lives here on earth before heaven is to be thoughtful and mindful of those that have and those that are coaching and guiding you. Be godly so that you may actually be of help to others. Nonetheless, you endorse Christ-appointed leadership by remembering those that God has used in the past to secure and to encourage you. Number two, you endorse Christ-appointed leaders by listening to the word of God preached and taught. Note for verse 7 and B, who have spoken to you the word of God. Listening to the scriptures means much more than staying awake and not acting bored during the sermon. Listening means attentiveness and application. Listening means hearing and heeding. I'm glad for the insights of Dr. Berg, who writes that ultimately hearing and listening means four things. It means that you are attentive. It means that you are meditative. It means that you are obedient. And it means that you are enduring. To say that you are a listener to the Word of God means that you pay attention to it when it's read, when it's taught, when it's sung. That you meditate upon it means that you obey it and that you endure in it. That's what it means to be a listener of the Word of God. You endorse Christ's appointed leaders by listening to the Word of God. The primary responsibility of the faithful pastor is to bring the Word and to feed the flock the good food of the Scriptures. When the sheep eat, when the sheep eat, both the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and the godly under-shepherd are pleased. When the world decided that we needed another day on the calendar, and they made a day for pastors in October, I could have puked. 
Because I don't need your card. I need you to live Christ. I don't need an extra ten dollars. I need you to live for Christ. And if you do, you will bless my gizzard. And if you don't, you will burn in my soul. It's just that simple. The chief shepherd and the under shepherd are very pleased when you, as God's child, eat it Mothers love the empty plate. So does God. It is sick and stubborn children that don't eat or don't eat much. When a man of God brings it to you, eat it. Number three. You endorse Christ's appointed leadership given you by following the example of faith provided you. 7c. The word follow in verse 7 is mimic. Three words commonly used in the Bible for follow. One means to partner up or to accompany. One means to pursue, like alignment after a quarterback. This word means to mimic. Mimic the faith of the faithful under shepherd. Back to the word rule in the beginning of the verse, which literally means to take the first step as one would when following a hunting guide. When the guide steps out in a direction into the woods, the hunter follows him and looks to him for advice relative to the task at hand, in that case, hunting. The guide and the hunter walk together with a common purpose and goal. Likewise, you are to walk with your God-given guide, whoever he may be at whatever period and stage of life you are in. Furthermore, you are to look attentively at the outcome or the end of life, a life of faith, lived by the servant of the Lord. That servant of the Lord may or may not leave this world with great wealth and health. He may even be mistreated along the way, in some cases martyred. His legacy will not be in the building built or remodeled. It will not be in the Sunday morning attendance. His legacy is in the testimony of a tenacious pursuit of the word of God a tenacious pursuit of the will of God, a tenacious pursuit of the worship of God. A faithful wor worshiper leader, a faithful leader in the church, makes sure that the services of our, are about God and not about people week after 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 week as long as he's there. Otherwise, it is the natural propensity of all people to make everything about themselves. Just ask somebody why they don't like that church. The outcome, according to this text, the outcome of the faithful leader's life is, verse 8, Jesus Christ, 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. The pastor is about the word, the pastor is about the will and the worship of God, and that exactly models uh, uh, the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ, who is always the same. You can be sure what Christ wants of us in this hour, and in the hour tonight, and in the hour on Wednesday night, and what Christ wants of us day in and day out. You can be sure of that, and, uh, and the faithful pastor uh, tells you that God wants exactly that same thing. Doesn't make it up his own rules, doesn't make up his own regulations, just gives you exactly according to Christ, head of the church, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Number four, you endorse Christ-appointed leaders by working to stabilize your life with sound doctrine and the grace of God. Verse 9. God is never pleased with his children that run around here and there looking for some Christian connection to a site. People that tramp off to this local church and that local church, to this concert and that concert, to this ladies' day and that ladies' day, to this retreat and that retreat, are like chaff blown in the Christian wind. Many a time, some church member misses the sound doctrine being brought during the regular services of his home church because they've trekked off to some other place for spiritual popcorn. God has not called you to chase the popcorn. God has called you to digest the word of God and to grow thereby. Verse 9, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Remember, this is written first and foremost to Jewish worshipers who had an active religious engagement in the temple and the sacrifice of meats. And here they're being told that that whole perfunctory system uh, has now given way to the reality of life in Christ and that Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is much better than anything that you could come up with for religion on your own. And as a result of that, you ought to be regular in hearing the word of God as brought you by those that are appointed over you in the Lord. The word established means to confirm or to ensure a thing. By not getting all caught up in the latest Christian book, the latest Christian podcast, the latest Christian program, the latest Christian ministry, your heart has the greater potential to stabilize in truth and grace. Again, these references to meat here have to do with the religious practice of feasting and fasting for spiritual development. Such external running around doesn't profit and it undermines the faithful ministry of the word of God in one's life. The hub of truth used previously to identify the outcome of the pastor's life is here, now in, used as the stabilizer of the congregation's life. What is it that brings stabilization to the life of any believer? Answer, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There isn't anything new out there that will bring you growth and development in Christ like a steady, regular diet of the Word of God from a proven 
provider. Don't run around. Sit down and listen. Number five, you endorse Christ's appointed leadership by submitting yourself as teachable. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The word submit, as used here in verse 17, means to yield, give way to the leaders that God places in your life. Do not posture yourself so as to resist them. Hunger for the word, love for the Lord, and a willingness to be taught are great attractions in the life of God's people. Far too many of God's people seem stuck in the teenage stage where they think they know more about everything and place little value on their God-assigned leaders. We are not commending some blind submission that easily ends in abuse. But we are commending the blessed submission that God has ordained as a part of everyone's home life. Parents. And as a part of everyone's church life. Pastors. Number six. You endorse Christ-appointed leadership by obeying the under-shepherd responsible for you. The word obey at the head of verse 17 can mean to win the favor of a person. You are to seek to win the favor of your spiritual leaders for three reasons as given in verse 17. 17. Reason number one, seek to win the favor of your pastor, for he or them, the pastors, keep awake for your souls. The spiritual leader is vigilant concerning the attack of the wolf and the deception of false shepherds. The shepherd prays for the sheep, and herein the sheep are instructed to obey the one that rules over them because, in fact, he or them are watching out for those individuals' spiritual best interest. It is in this same exact vein that Scripture otherwise says, children, obey your parents. You don't obey your parents because they're perfect. You don't obey your parents because they're never wrong. You obey your parents because God told you to bear your parents when you're under their roof as a demonstration of the fact that you are responding to God correctly. And in the same way, you have, verse 17, obey them that have rule over you, for indeed they are vigilant concerning your soul. Number two, seek to win the favor of the pastor, for he must give an account of you before God. 
he will report on Judgment Day for you and, frankly, about you. When I watch the grandkids, most recently when I watched for a few hours my great-granddaughter, I expected to give an account to their parents whenever they got back in the room or back in the house. If the kids are good, I'm glad to say they were good. If they're bad, I really want to lie about it. <laughs> I just tell you I do. I really want to lie about it. I, I haven't ever lied about it, but I want to lie about it. I'd like to say, for the sake of my own grandfatherly posterity, I'd like to say everything was good. But I have learned not always to do what I think I want to do, but to do what I know is right to be done. And so, therefore, I have said, didn't have to say it with my great-granddaughter. She was actually a jewel. But, uh, uh, but my grandkids, different story. Uh, uh, I've had to say uh, to my oldest son, and Mandy, I've had to say to my second son, Justin, and his wife, Christian, uh, not so well. It did not go so good. I, uh, I didn't spank them, but I was right on the edge of spanking them. Uh, it is indeed sad for a grandfather to report things didn't go so good. And it is sad for me as a pastor to report to God things aren't going so good. And in the day of judgment, Lord, things didn't go so good. I don't think in that day I want to lie, <laughs> but you can appreciate the angst. When reports are given before the Lord concerning his flock, it will, in some cases, be for me great gladness. And in other cases, real grief. Third reason. The third reason for obedience of spiritual leadership is that obedience is profitable for you. Disobedience is personally hurtful to you. It is unprofitable, says the text, or hurtful to you, says the text, to disobey your God-appointed leadership. How do you know that for sure, well, you could at this point turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and read two weeks in advance our communion instructions, which again, as I referenced in the hour previous to this, says if we would judge ourselves with an open Bible before God and make things right before him ourselves, then we should not be judged of the Lord. And yet the Bible tells us in Corinthians 11 that when we're judged of the Lord, it's not like we're judged as sinners, lost and undone, but we are chastened of the Lord that we might bear the fruits of Christ, even to which we are called. Only in these few verses on leadership in Hebrews 13 
you have three phenomenal things to devotionally think about. Number one, in this combination of verses 7, 8, 9, 17, you have the marks of true leadership. You can clearly identify from this passage of Scripture the work and the behavior and the demeanor of a godly pastor. You can take this set of verses and use it to see how that the godly pastor reflects the very headship, the will, the word of the head of the church, who is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The second thing that you can do with these verses 7, 8, 9, and 17 is that you can identify the marks of false leadership. False leadership do not bring the word of God to the flock of God for eating. The false leader does not uh, uh, seek with diligence the well-being of the souls of the flock. Uh, That uh, false shepherd often seeks his own desires, his own bank account, his own houses, his own lands, his own stuff. You can, from this passage of Scripture, discern uh, what it is that a false leader uh, does or doesn't do in regards to giving an account. Because they do not know how to give an account to God on behalf of others. They don't even hold themselves accountable to God, which indeed every man is accountable to God. But there is very little doubt in this section of the Word of God that after 12 chapters of doctrinal assertion of the superiority and all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ our Lord, who is the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh of better things than Abel, Hebrews 12, 24, that you and I would be able by this model of plain, frank communication, understand exactly how it is we might serve God with grace, that we might serve God acceptably in relationship to the leaders that God himself appoints and sovereignly and providentially orchestrates for our benefit in the context of our entire lifetime. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He is the chief shepherd of this church. He is the good shepherd of this church. He is the shepherd 
of the First Baptist Church of Elto. My job is to reflect him as to word, as to will, as to living obedience. Your job is to follow him by following me. We all would follow Christ. It is the ungodly parent that says to the child, don't do as I do, do as I say. We want godly parents, we want godly pastors, and we want a flock that grows in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why in all things we must remember this motto, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He is the head of this church. Father, help us to be a responsive people. I have found the people that are here this morning to be quite intelligent and insightful. And they would know without me saying it that such a message of this is just a little bit uncomfortable to have to preach. Because it has a sense in which you kind of feel like you're preaching about yourself. But Lord, it's not about me and it's not about them. It really is about you. And we really would be most wise to live exactly as we are about to sing to let our talk be about Jesus, to let our walk be about Jesus, to let the First Baptist Church of Elto be about the Lord Jesus. So many local churches in so many places have given themselves over to lesser things than the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus. May we hear increasingly honor our Lord Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.